not mean division in community. Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome back, finally. <laughs> back again for the very first time to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without also creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this in every episode of the podcast when we decide to record it. I'm here with my co-host, lead pastor, friend, father, sometimes athlete. Used to be more of an athlete. No, just kidding. <laughs> Mr. John Wagler. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We're here. We've done it, I should say. We've done it. All right. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> just want to let you know we're still here. Yeah, we're still here. John, how are you doing? How's life since the summer since when we recorded our last? As if nobody who listens to this has any idea what's going I on know. with you or me. <laughs> it's good. I mean, like, we're so I hate the cold. You do um, hate which the is, cold. You know, well, there hasn't been that much of it. No, it no, got really, great. really cold, but uh, then it warmed Yeah, up. I was about to say, it's like it's been very favorable. And so. Remember when it was seven? I know. That was crazy. You know, and people were like, oh, I love it when it's like this. And I get it. I, I'm sure people actually mean it when they say that. But when it's like a prolonged cold. Yeah. You know, everyone, like even like your own bodily reactions of like shrinking up yeah. and like your facial expressions. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, it's, it moves you towards just uh, not being happy. I think there like is a novelty to a record breaking cold. Sure. That there totally. is not to a record-breaking warm. Like when yeah. it's record-breaking hot, no one is like so glad that it's 110 Correct. out. But when it's seven, there's this weird like, this is kind of cool. Or like it's, I feel like I'm I in totally a different on a yeah. different planet. Or like it's exciting in a weird way. Yeah. As long as your heat's working and you have some work, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as it's not killing. I you. just enjoy like I don't mind when it gets colder. Yeah. You know, I just my kind of like baseline is I. Like 45 mm. is like, all right, if it's that cold, yeah. cool, yeah. that's fine. Uh, but I want it to get up to 60 during the day. Yeah. yeah. I just want the sun to come back. Yeah. Um, I've Though the rec- skies recently have been <laughs> utterly well, insane. And have you ever looked at like the sunrise sunset chart? I've never done it until this year for some reason. Oh, I've never done that, no. The sun is out for like seven hours in January where we live, or like seven and a half hours. It's like not even 12 hours. Yeah. It's terrible (laughs) like the sun needs to come back i think i'm like as i push toward 40 i'm starting to shed the idea that i'm shedding a lot of ideas of what i was supposed to be like Uh so i feel like because i like dark clothes or poetry or whatever i'm supposed to be like a night owl like i'm supposed to be like some beatnik that like drinks coffee and stays up all night i'm not and i never really was (laughs) i think the reason i got into punk rock in the first place was that the shows were over by like nine right like go home you know so this (laughs) idea of it being dark all the time i'm like i i need the sun yeah I need the sun. Um, so weather notwithstanding, we are back um, this week and maybe for the next couple of episodes, if we can get back on the horse here. Yeah. We're going to be talking about um, feelings. Feelings. <laughs> Core emotions. We're going to be sort of doing some kind of like ancillary content to the sermon series that we're in the middle of, yes. which is based on Chip Dodd's book, uh, Voices of the Heart. Yeah. Um, the Voice of the Heart. The Voice of the Heart. Yeah. Um, John, tell me a little bit about... Tell me a little more about like what affected you so much about this book really quick um, and about the series that we're kind of going through at church on Sundays. I think there were multiple factors. One was the the way he writes that engages the emotion that gives you such a clear baseline to go off of. Mm. Uh, I appreciate the way. So his feelings chart that he, he gives out mm-hmm. that the eight core feelings that are there. He he has the gift and the impairment to mm. those things. Yeah. And so, uh, so rather than just treating an emotion as an emotion, he's like, Hey, 
we see these core emotions that we all have mm. and there's a gift to that and what that pulls us towards, uh, which is wonderful. So, you know, hurt, the one we talked about this past yeah. Sunday, the gift is healing and courage. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow. So yeah. even in the midst of hurt, I get that. But he also says, but if you don't, then unprocessed hurt yeah. leads us to resentment and bitterness. And so I think the way he breaks it down, it's, it just makes sense, mm. you know, and it allows you to see your own story differently. It allows you to see your emotions differently, how you approach things that allows you to piece some things together and process better. That's really cool. Um, so in the interest of accessing our core emotions, we are going to access the core emotion of anger, which is one of the seven emotions or is it eight emotions? Eight. Eight emotions. Yeah. Anger. Um, by doing our... Uh, uh, intro segment here that people have liked so much that we're going to keep doing it. We're going to access the core emotion of anger by trying to stay, stay furious. Yeah. All right. I'll start. Okay. Because I'm on steroids. <laughs> I'm so mad that I'm still coughing. <laughs> like, mm. otherwise I feel good. I had... I didn't even have COVID or anything. I just had like kind of a cold around Christmas, but it gave me this cough that won't go away. And now I finally went to patient first. I don't like drugs and I don't like doing that whole thing, but they gave me a steroid. And so I'm mad about my cough. I'm also just kind of mad. (laughs) My kids are like, is dad roid raging right now? And and I'm like, it doesn't work like that. But if I'm super honest, even with a super low dose of like prednisol or whatever they gave me. Yeah. There are these weird, like, I don't know, like my computer won't boot up fast enough. And I'm like, I'm going to break this table in half. <laughs> like, I do have a little bit of this, like, all of a sudden. And it, like, it's so weird because it, like, flares up. And actually, germane to what we're talking about, as I've done some, like, some of this, like, emotions work mm-hmm. and, like, accessing core emotions and stuff, it has helped me to to see false they're not false, but like it has helped me to be like, oh no, that's that is drugs anger. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> like it's actually yeah. helped me to identify like you're not actually angry about anything serious. You're having a chemical reaction right yeah. now to the medicine that you're on, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Yeah. But mostly, I'm just angry at this cough. I want it to go away. Positive of the cough. Well, I don't know if you're in. Yeah. What's the place. gift? <laughs> the gift of the cough for me is when you get one of those deep ones that gets the phlegm out. Oh, it does feel nice. It is really nice. But then when you put it, you swallow it like an oyster. You got to loogie it out. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Um, what about you, John? What's keeping you furious? Recycling. <laughs> what is it? Does it exist? Exactly. That's my point. Plastic does not get recycled. It green, doesn't. Did you see We're, that Greenpeace report? Yeah, no. It was like 2% of all plastic in the whole world actually gets recycled. I, well, I went to the dump and I had a bunch of cardboard in the car. And mm-hmm. uh, I said to the guy, I said, hey, I, I said, my, my you know, SUV is filled with cardboard. We just had Christmas and stuff. And and uh, I was like, do you want me to bring it, you know, over to the recycling mm-hmm. side or just what do you want me to do? He goes, nah, dude, just throw it in the dumpster. And yeah. I go, why? He goes, because it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it truly <laughs> he goes, like, it doesn't matter. He goes, it's all just it's all essentially theater. Yeah, it really is. I think the thing that I read from Greenpeace was basically like glass, clear glass. Yeah. And tin, certain types of tin. So like if you're going to grab a you know, 12 ounce of Coke or, you know, they have those like tall boys in the, in the gas station. Yeah, yeah. Like if you really care, try to grab the tall boy or look for like beverages that have like recyclable right. cans or whatever. But if they say they have recyclable plastic, it's really not. Yeah. Like tin and glass are pretty much what could be recycled. So that's annoying. That's super annoying. It sucks yeah. that we, I can remember 
he's kind of fallen out of favor mostly because he's a jerk. But um, you remember Michael Moore? He was like oh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. documentary guy, yeah. you know, kind of very hot in the mid 2000s or yeah. early 2000s. He, in his book, I can't remember which book it was, but he did a thing where he like followed the recycling bin around. And I was, I've read this when I was like 17. This is right. a long time ago. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, dude, you know, that's not cool. Because he was basically like, recycling's fake. <laughs> and now I'm, now Greenpeace is literally like, nobody wants recycling to work more than, it is our job yeah. to like report to you guys on this. We're Greenpeace. We're the ones that you like villainize as being like eco-terrorists, like hippies. And we're telling you recycling doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and I just, you know, you know how you get some of those stores or restaurants too that are just so pretentious about it. That annoys me too. I feel like, but I wonder if maybe that's what it takes to actually get things recycled. Maybe, I don't know. I was know. somewhere the other day. That's oh, not the vibe I get in those places. So. There, there's a new business. Shout out to Easy Burger. It's the ZZQ mm. Burger Place. They, I think, do it right. Okay. It's not pretentious per se, but things are separated, kind of like at, at Whole Foods or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have like all of this literature on their tables about like how stuff is compostable and how if it's not compostable, it can go here and like... I don't know. I think I buy it. Maybe I'm just a sucker for no, like eco marketing. Fine. But um, also that uh, water. I've started drinking that. Have you seen the, those uh, that water brand Liquid Death? It's like very yes. intense mountain water yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. A, I love Great the branding. idea of like death yeah. metal water. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think their their tagline is "Murder Your Thirst." <laughs> <laughs> but they have really good. Um, I would say I would call believable like stuff about their cans and like how they are sustainable with the water and. Um, and with the, the tin and stuff. But yeah, I'm with you on the recycling. That's a good one. Uh, okay, so that was our curiosity. Now we're going to move on, uh, take a quick break, and talk about um, just kind of opening this conversation around core emotions. Um, the one that we most recently discussed, uh, what was the first one? Hurt? Hurt. Hurt. Um, so we're going to talk about hurt. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll be back in just a minute. Y'all know we stay curious over here. here, here. Okay, John, you had 40 minutes, no, 20 minutes. How long is your sermon usually? 40 minutes, messages. So, uh, this one was like 37. 37 yeah. minutes to unpack this infinitely complicated infinitely thing. Com- I know. What did you not get to? What do we want to <laughs> chat about today? There's a lot. I, first, I just want to highlight the, the eight core emotions that he yeah. talks about. That way people can. Yeah. So it's hurt, lonely, sad, anger, fear, shame, guilt, glad. Hmm. So hurt, lonely, sad, anger, fear, shame, guilt, glad and so those are the eight they're like primary colors you have uh you know three primary colors but all these other you know mm-hmm. colors but he, chip would say that these eight are the core in all of us and that's what everything kind of builds off of yeah did your enneagram seven wife hate that there's only one positive core emotion <laughs> well it's funny because like when we first learned like got introduced to some of this stuff that was one of the first things we both like we're like why is there only one positive one that when, doesn't? You when know. I was learning it at Cross Point, the whole room was like half the room was like, "Nah, wait a second, it can't <laughs> yeah. only be one good emotion." <laughs> but it, when it makes sense, like when you get to understand the gift and impairment, yep, you know, and then the ability to have authentic joy requires us to go through the actual seven other ones and appreciate the gifting of them. Mm. So yeah, so what do you feel like for you when you're thinking about hurt and engaging this core emotion? Yeah, what was the challenge? You know, on the front end is uh, growing up, uh, you know, um, my mom's a, she is tough as nails. Mm. You know, my dad, farmer, they were were both farmers, but they're, they're both tough as nails kind of people Mm. and uh, not super into growing up, Mm. you know, not raised in an environment of, you know, emotions being a core element of how you engage things. And so 
when you see, and there were reasons for that in their mm-hmm. lives and their story. But, you know, the reality is, is, is I'm not sure I even was able to process hurt mm-hmm. and, and put words to it until my 30s. Wow. Honestly. Really? So emotional hurt? Yeah. What, um, what was the, looking back on it now, realizing you had that blockage, what was that experience like for you not being able to, was it just a lot of like suck it up? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I took a spiritual gifts test and I tested zero on compassion, that probably tells you something, <laughs> yeah, <right>. but uh, <laughs> there was a, a level of engagement where I, m- my mindset was always like, you know, life is hard and life is hard for a lot of people mm-hmm. and all this hurt stuff happens. And so you get over it yeah, and you move on mm-hmm. and, and you just get tougher and more resilient through yeah. it. And, but what I didn't realize is that resilience, true resilience is actually built through understanding your emotions mm-hmm. and engaging those so that when you're working th- through something, you're mm-hmm. able to see the gifting of going through the process yeah. where for me, I was in a state of kind of hardening everything mm-hmm. to where I got through everything Mm-hmm. but not in a healthy way. It was more burying it or just white knuckling and, right. you know. Yeah, I've heard it said that, like, if, you, if, you're, if you're interested in getting tougher or more resilient, what would make you tougher? Forging rivers or crossing bridges, mm-hmm. right? To, to build a bridge and get over it, get over this emotion right. of hurt, really doesn't make you tougher. It yeah. may make you seem like you've traveled more miles, right? Because you've crossed more bridges or whatever, yeah. you know, gotten through rivers quicker. But to move, instead of getting over hurt, moving through hurt yeah. is really what builds resilience. Yeah. And I think so often on both sides of the spectrum, people who are suck it up people are just trying to find a way around the, the you know, the raging stream of mm-hmm. their hurt. Um, and then people who over-identify with their hurt are just trying to sit on the bank and like not cross. Yeah. You know, they're doing, they're actually in saying that like, and I'm totally this kind of person in saying that like, well, I just need to like sort of sit in it a little bit or whatever is actually a way to avoid it. Cause yeah. it's meant to be yeah, pushed yeah. through, you know, it's meant Correct. to be not avoided, but like engaged. Yep. And, and that's something for me as a more emotional person um, that I've struggled to understand is like, you don't, the, the only two options are not jump in or run away. Yep. You know, the, the third option, which is the good option, is to forge through. Yeah. Um, and to engage in a full way. But again, like, if you, if, you know, if you're thinking about the Oregon Trail or something, like, you got your horses <laughs> and your ox and stuff, and somebody's like, here's a river, and you just go, there's no river, and you yeah. try to get through it, you're probably going to drown. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to acknowledge what's going on. Yeah. Well, you know, I think... The, and on the positive side for me of being more on the suck it up side and just fighting through, I I do think a positive was I was able, and this was actually pointed out to me in my story work that I did, you know, um, during sabbatical, but I was able to figure out how to uh, glean something from every moment, mm. like a hard, something hard that I went through, like my biological father not being around. I, now I did not understand how to process the reality of that until my thirties, but um, but what I was able to was I I gleaned things from it that it actually made me stronger, mm-hmm. you know, around certain things. So there wasn't all bad, mm-hmm. you know. It uh, it just to be fully emotionally healthy, I needed to learn how to 
actually process hurt and mm. be able to verbalize actually that hurt me when mm. you know that was said or um and so the one of the times that i realized that i was getting better uh again i'm a work in progress but i was getting better was actually when someone posted something on facebook about me yeah. um that you know used to attend our church and kind of started a little bit of a firestorm mm -hmm. you know that covered several states and wow. you know uh and i was like whoa i and I remember my first reaction was anger. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sharing with Lacey, like my anger towards it. But then, but then I, I, I was able to verbalize. I was like, actually, I'm like super hurt. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hurt because the conversation never happened with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm hurt because it's it now like the, the information that's out there is actually not true or what I think, mm -hmm. you know, I'm hurt, you know, and I was able to, in, in, in that moment, I, I was like, whoa, this feels good to be able to verbalize because mm -hmm. rather than me sending into resentment and bitterness, which is probably what I ended up with, yeah. it, you know, um, it actually was able to move me towards like a more healing and yeah. courageous experience. And that brings up a good point too, that like, as we talk through these core emotions, something I'm learning now is that um, sometimes just because an emotion is core, you know, doesn't mean that it's not also a masking emotion. Meaning mm -hmm. like for you, anger is also a core emotion. Mm -hmm. But when you ask yourself the deeper question, is anger really what I'm feeling right now? What you found was that anger was sort of the mask that hurt Correct. was wearing. Yes. And that can work in reverse. Um, when you, when, you know, let's say I'm weepy or I feel hurt, but then if I really, it's important for me to check in with myself, breathing, like all of that stuff, grounding, meditation, um, prayer, to say, what am I really feeling? Sometimes the answer is, I really feel hurt. I'm crying right now, or I yeah. feel weepy, or I feel hurt because this person hurt me, or this thing hurt me. But a lot of the times the answer is, you know, I'm actually really angry, and I don't, I'm afraid of my anger, so I'm feeling hurt instead because it feels softer. Yeah. And I think that's a super important, which we'll probably get into during your series, but um, something that I'm learning about is like, there are core emotions, there's inhibitory um inhibitory emotions which we can talk about later but also the core emotions can kind of play off of each other mm -hmm. a little bit you can kind of throw each other under yeah. the bus a little bit well hurt is that hurt is woven into every core emotion no matter what right. even like authentic joy mm -hmm. hurt is wo woven into it because you experienced hurt saw the gift and you healed mm -hmm. and are courageous enough to experience authentic joy you yeah. know so hurt is still woven into every core emotion that we have yeah yeah it it an analogy I use with people a lot of the time with the gift of hurt being courage. What's the other one? It's courage and healing. Healing. <clears throat> healing and courage. Two analogies I use a lot is first off, that people need to remember um, that Superman is not courageous because mm -hmm. he can't be hurt, mm -hmm. right? It's only when kryptonite enters the, the storyline that we see his real courage because otherwise, if nothing hurts you, um, you're not, it's not real courage. Right. Um, yeah, and he even, there's like comics where he says that, like you're, you know, he'll, he'll look to a citizen or something and say, you're actually courageous because you could have gotten hurt. Hmm. And so without the ability to get hurt, right, if kryptonite didn't exist for, for Superman, he would never have been able to develop his courage. It's part of his story that like he learned courage by watching his mom, you know, Ma and Pa, Kent, right? Because yeah. they're these old downtrodden, you know, farmers in the middle of America and that they're persevering. And that's how we learn courage, not through personal experience because he couldn't be hurt. Yeah. Right. So to remember that truly your ability to be hurt, your ability to engage with your hurt is what builds courage and is what builds healing. Another great analogy of the healing, I think you may have 
well, kind of like we were talking about with the coughing, like getting that sure. good cough out. Yeah. There's no better meal than that first meal after a stomach bug that, that like tastes <laughs> sure. good and that you can stomach, yeah. right? The healing of if you hadn't gotten sick, you would not have appreciated even like that first saltine cracker. You can you like eat a saltine cracker right now and tell me it was like a life giving experience right. for you. Like yeah. that first like sip of Sprite or whatever and the saltine <laughs> cracker after you've been like throwing up for 24 hours. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. But you can't have that without the hurt, right? Yeah. You can't have that without the sickness. Or even when people are like, you can't hurt me. Well, then you can't be healed or courageous. Yeah. You, there there yeah. are experiences that you can't, yeah. that you're You'll never really fully engaged. Yeah, you're yeah. not fully, fully human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm interested, and maybe this is, a, you know, let me know if this is too much or too vulnerable. I don't <laughs> think so. I think you're ready. But <clears throat> when you talk about, like, the stuff with your biological dad and yeah. getting um, in touch with that in your 30s, mm-hmm. what did avoidance of that look like before then? I think it's good for people to, like, have concrete ideas. of Was it, well, Glenn's my dad. I don't really talk about my other dad. Or yeah. what, like, how, how practically, how do you think that that avoidance oozed out of you before you'd engaged it? I think part of it was I would always, you know, concentrate on like there were there were other guys, my dad's fathers, mm-hmm. the, you know, my own father, mm-hmm. you know, there were, I I got enough from those guys, you know, mm-hmm. or um I never really took time to remotely process how the connection to your biological father impacts the reality of who you are. Right. And uh and so uh, that was part of it. And I think um, even my, I, I would even joke about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would, I would say things like, uh, I used to wear it as a badge of honor how easily I could disconnect from things. Mm-hmm. So if something tough happened, mm-hmm. I could just disconnect emotionally yeah. or best friend moved away or whatever. Right. Like I might have a moment of emotion, but like I just, I could disconnect really easily. And I would even joke around and be like, ah, oh, my dad left. It's like, right. I know what it's like to have someone leave. And, and so that's whatever, you yeah. know, life happens, you know? Yeah. And so uh, even my kind of self-deprecating humor around it was actually a way that now looking back was a coping mechanism mm-hmm. for a reality of a hurt that I had that was undealt with yeah. that um, had impacted my life. And like, um, as, as great as, you know, uh, who I call my dad now, like as great as he was coming in and, and, um, as great as my mom was and, and all that stuff, the reality of what I went through as a young kid and the separation uh, from my biological father, what was ingrained in me as a kid mm-hmm. of like, um, was I part of the problem was, you know, all those things that you don't even necessarily know on the front end because no one's telling you that, but like, you know, you then experience and like, and how it shapes things, even, you know, even like when you, I think about uh, my relationship to women, mm-hmm. you know, up to meeting Lacey and being married, so much of that and how I thought about sex and love and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so much of that was honestly like tied into the reality of like my biological father leaving and setting an example of like what it's like to see a man and woman in marriage mm-hmm. and what that. And so, but I would never say that was the reason I didn't know you know and so once I uh, fully engaged some of that stuff I was like oh man like it makes sense I would have like saw girls like that you know as a seventh and eighth grader you know like and stuff like that and so I think those were some of the things that did come out yeah what did engaging those emotions and processing them look like for you I think sometimes I know for people like me I can get confused between wallowing and processing Mm. um 
for you, how did that look starting to maybe just using that as an example? Yeah. Was it, oh, I let myself cry or I let myself say something. I wrote something. I, yeah. What did that practically look like for you? On the front end, because I do think I was so hardened to a lot of it, I think it was a slow process of actually fulling, feeling the reality of the emotion of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then um, because the truth is, I didn't fully realize the reality that I had not grieved that part of me mm-hmm. and part of my story. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, you know, over the last, I would say 10 years, you know, um, and in particular the last few, uh, I have had a few moments of like essentially like grieving my five-year-old self mm. and like, um, I remember looking at a picture that we just had up for, um, we do it every year. We just put up like childhood pictures like mm-hmm. for Christmas and um, like what it was like during Christmas. And um, there's a picture of me like right around four or five years old in which is Ruby's age, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, so last Christmas, not this past one, but the one before that, I remember just like staring at it mm-hmm. and and like like having like an emotional yeah. like moment, like mm-hmm. staring at the picture. Um, no one else was in the house, but like I was just like just felt my eyes like wound up with tears mm-hmm. and, and like just grieving the reality of that young kid as, as, as awesome as my mom tried to make our lives mm-hmm. and everything. Like it's not a shot on her whatsoever. It's mm-hmm. actually a testament to who she is and was. Uh, but I was grieving the, mm-hmm. the reality that that kid was hurting and he didn't even know it, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and that he didn't know, um, that little young version of me 41 years ago didn't know the impact of like that moment mm-hmm. was having on who that that little kid was going to become as a teenager and everything and what was going to be shaped. It was like it was like super cathartic to do that. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't sit in that. I don't like it doesn't right. like, you know, but it was like a good moment. And then I had another one this past summer, mm-hmm. you know, just um, when we did our counseling intensive, yeah. you know, just like having a moment that one I got super emotional on, but like just like having the moment to let it go was like pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think it's really important. Something that I'm learning as I learn more about this and do this work for myself is that, you know, someone who's really practical or very rational, maybe even a past version of yourself would be like that, but that's some weird fantasy you're having. Like you're mourning for this kid. There's a, yeah, imagination is such a healing part of our such a healing and such an ignored part of how we get better um to be in the world of your imagination and see your five-year-old self and grieve for them hug them whatever i know it sound it can sound very touchy-feely hippy-dippy your inner child and all of this stuff but there might be a reason that that's that the idea of the inner child is like a like a psychology cliche from the 80s maybe because it's works maybe because it's yeah real, but yeah i think it does know? and i and i think too it, it wasn't it wasn't about the emotion per se you know mm-hmm. it was really more about uh, i mean the like crying or grieving it, mm-hmm. it 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 was really more about like my ability to heal mm-hmm. you know to actually name the hurt and to begin to see like hey i just want to uh i Cause there is like a beauty in also going through the tough stuff that I mm-hmm. went through because of what it developed in me. Mm-hmm. And I don't deny that. Like I don't deny, um, I think I'm really good in tough situations, mm-hmm. like really good. Like I, I stay well grounded. I stay when people are going through hard things or like when there's, you got to make like immediate decisions. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's a sweet spot for me because part of that is going through so much crap, yeah. you know? And, 
Um, and part of it was being hardened to certain things. And yeah. so, it, it, but at the same time, the ability to actually experience the reality of the hurt and what that meant and to grieve, it actually moved me towards more healing uh, internally mm -hmm. that made me emotionally healthier. Mm -hmm. And so then the way that I see myself and engage myself and uh, because the truth is, is when I think about, like, I don't live in regret, but when I think about the reality of some of the decisions I made through my teenage years or college years, um, those have impact. Like yeah. the, some of those things get burned in your memory. Some mm -hmm. of those things like, you know, like I hate that they happened. And, and so the truth is, is like until I could really fully name the hurt and begin to heal some of those things I held on with like guilt and shame, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's not healing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, those are also realizations of, of like what I have been working through and, and coming to. It doesn't make me less manly or mm -hmm. less, it doesn't make me actually, it makes me stronger, more resilient because mm -hmm. of what I'm seeing. And then even when I'm with people now, I just see it differently just because of the, that kind of work. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. I think one of the big hurdles for a lot of us, even like hearing you talk a little bit about, you know, your mom, um, hurt, it is a psych, as far as I can tell, I'm not a doctor. Um, it is a psychological truth that a lot of our stuff comes from our parents, no matter what. Sure. Um, I don't whether, know how it can't. I mean, it just, yeah. I think that's just the truth of being a mammal. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I don't know that alligators, like, you know, like care sure. that much about how their dad was, but I think that it, pretty much if you are weaned, yeah. Um, and you have a prefrontal cortex like y your your stuff comes from your... i mean the research around a yeah. father and mother in the home right. is literally unending yeah well and i <laughs> mean there's a re again there's a reason that the cliche of like psychology is you lay on the couch and you talk to me you know tell me about your yeah. mother you know because <laughs> that's that's what it is that's yeah. just what it is to be a human yeah um and whether that is you know, for folks who maybe um, were adopted or um, were not raised by their biological parents, it's it can be twofold. It's sure. your foster parents or your adopted parents, and dealing with stuff of your psychological of your biological parents because it starts in the womb. Yeah. You know, of the chemicals that your mom is, whether it's serotonin, melatonin, uh, you know, whatever, um, being put into you while you're being made. Yeah. Um, this stuff starts before you really have a choice in the matter yep. um and so i think a big block for a lot of people and certainly has been for me is trying to hold the two things um at once which is that hurt and also maybe they were doing their best correct um because i know for me a lot of it was like i kind of went from um you know moody angsty teenager where like my parents were always wrong and they were the enemy and i was rebellious and whatever and then for me part of growing up was realizing like well, no, maybe you're a little bit of a brat and like maybe <laughs> sure, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next phase of um, there's a guy, a philosopher named Ken Wilber, who has this great like breakdown of what it is to be a human, which is the phases are cleaning up, learning the rules, figuring out who you are, cleaning up, growing up, uh, waking up and showing up. Mm. And like that the final sort of phase of a healthy human is that they show that right. they're showing yeah. up. And so part of the growing up process was realizing that, you know, they did their best and, yeah. and whatever. Um, but part of, for me, the waking up process, and it sounds like for you too, is realizing that two things can be true at once. That Absolutely. I can acknowledge that like, man, when mom or dad or brother or, or best friend or neighbor, teacher said or did that, 
I don't think they meant to hurt me. And like, really, it was kind of like bumping into me in the hallway. Yeah. But it really hurt. Like it, sure. it did hurt, um, whether they intended to or not or whatever. It's not, it's kind of laying blame down, I think, a little bit. I'm not here to blame somebody. Yeah. Because for me, it was moving from blaming someone else to blaming myself to now laying blame down and just acknowledging the reality of like, when you said this, it hurt me. Yeah. Or when, you know, when I was taught this, um, you meant for it to make me stronger, but it actually hurt me. Yeah. Um, and just removing judgment, both removing judgment from yourself and your feelings, feeling embarrassed, like, I can't believe like that one Christmas where I didn't get exactly what I wanted mm-hmm. really stuck with me. What a brat I am. Yeah. And just saying like, hey, I had an expectation. It wasn't met. And that stuck with me. And so like, let me acknowledge it so I can move on from it rather than saying, oh, it's mom and dad's fault because they didn't really know me and they didn't know what I wanted or whatever. Um, Or, oh, it's my fault. I was just like the spoiled brat that like got it, you know, thought they deserved everything in the world. Well, it's like my brother has shared some uh, because like I I have like most of my memories are blocked out, Mm -hmm. you know, from my childhood. And so uh, when my family sometimes even shares stories like I don't remember them and um and uh, almost all of my memories as a kid just solely revolve around sports mm-hmm. um, because that's where I felt fully myself mm-hmm. and like that I could be known I could be accepted I feel like I belong there you know everything and so I have memories of like mm-hmm. I can literally tell you uh certain things that happened in games at like eight and nine years old mm-hmm. um down to like pitch counts and like what the score was and different things like that but I can't tell you about a family vacation right you know, and so, so there are things that, you know, happen when my brothers like shared some things and, and to your point about, you know, having grace towards parents and stuff like that, you know, he, at the end of the day, my biological father, he suffered from PTSD yeah, and from the Vietnam war. And there was no language around that, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't justify Mm-mm. any of the stuff that happened and the abuse that happened and all that stuff. But like, but man, that is like a reality. Yeah. You know, and so um, even that in and of itself, like as I've done some of this work and talked about hurt and and things that like came from that and fear and sadness and all that, all those, all those things, there is like a piece of me too that like also has like a little bit of grace, you know, towards that. Like, man, dude was a monster, but he was also suffering, Yeah, you know, Um, again, doesn't justify and he deserved any consequence he received, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of growing up is and waking up is realizing that there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. Yeah. Right. The dog ate your homework the first time. That's a reason. And it's an excuse. Right. The third time the dog eats your homework, it's still the reason you don't have your homework. Stop feeding the dog. But it's no longer the excuse. <laughs> yeah. Stop leaving it where the dog can get it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's important because when there's no reason, there's chaos. Yeah. You know, when you, when you're, when, yeah, when your dad was just a monster who woke up in the morning and chose evil. Yeah how does that help you feel better? Like, yeah. how does that help anybody? Um, even what my mom went through too, like, and I won't, I don't want to share any of her business, but you know, I could, I could look back and be like, well, I didn't have, I only had like a single mom for like so mm-hmm. much of my childhood. And my mom was like, what? Like she had to like work so hard. And so it wasn't around as much as like everyone else's moms. And like, I could say stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is when I look at my mom life, I'm like, goodness gracious, like her grit, her determination, mm-hmm. Her sacrifice, her love of Jesus, her unending prayer, her, mm-hmm. like all these things that you're just like, I could woe is me my way of some of my childhood, mm-hmm. you know, but the reality is, is when I take a step back and I acknowledge the hurt that happened through some of it, 
but I can also see the beauty in the gifting, what I saw in my mom and yeah. what she instilled, even though she was going through so much hurt and so much pain. Yeah. Um, I, you can't neglect those realities too. And I think, I think if we were to put it maybe too simply, it's that if you highlight your parent, if you avoid your hurt by highlighting the good things about the person who hurt you, you're still avoiding your hurt. Sure. In the same way, if you, um, over identify with the ways that a parent failed you or a friend failed you, you're still avoiding the hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you, you sort of, um, something I, uh, sort of visual that I use with people in when we're doing counseling meditation stuff is this idea of like standing on the shore and letting the waves like wash up against your ankles to dive in, to dive into the ocean is to lose the, the feeling of the waves washing over your feet to run away from the water is to also lose mm-hmm. that experience. Yeah. You let it come in, it covers your feet, maybe splashes up your ankles, your pants get a little wet, that's okay. Yeah. And then the water goes out and you just stay still. Does that make sense yeah. as like a visual? Yeah. Um, because the two different kind of personalities, yours was probably more like run away from the water, you know, or like be sure. tough. Yeah. Um, mine tends to be more like dive in. They're both an avoidance tactic. So I guess a simpler way to put it is like, Again, with the with the parents, um, if you're if you're highlighting their strengths to avoid your pain, you're avoiding your pain. If you're highlighting their weaknesses to cast blame and thus weaken your pain, mm-hmm. you're also avoiding your pain. Yeah, it's, you're sure. doing the same thing two different ways. Yeah, um, and that can be hard to break out of that dichotomy. And I do think it takes time. Like if you're listening to this and you're 20, like you might not be ready to do yeah. this. And that's okay. Yeah. Like you're still cleaning up, right? You're not yet, you're starting to grow up. Um, but for those of us who are listening that are trying to do this like deep work, um, maybe at a more mature stage of life, uh, at least after your brain's totally done growing, what is it, 26, 27? 25, yeah. 25, yeah. Um, just remember that like you don't, you want to, you don't want to get caught into the binary of blame Yeah. when you're dealing with hurt. Um, if well, some, and if, you can, and even at this, even if they are younger, right. you can start the work too. For sure. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Um, and, and, per, and per your visual, I was just laughing in my head cause I'm like, man, I hate sand. So I actually don't he, love the beach either. So when, he, when, he, when he said, in your case, you ran away from the rays. I'm like, well, that's probably why I hate sand. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. I actually don't love the, well, I do. I don't love the beach either, but, um, uh, the, the idea that, um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's my fault. It's okay. Do you and your sand I hatred? Know. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. Um, but yeah, just doing this work, I think, is super important um, if we want to continue to grow. If we want to continue to um, be the the people that we want to be, and and honestly, who God created us to be. Yeah. You know, I think to tie this back in to Jesus, uh, I think a lot about how Jesus wept. Like, I think he probably knew. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus wept. Yeah. I think he knew on some level he was going to bring this person back to life. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Because didn't he weep over... Um... He wept at... He... Well, he wept over Jerusalem. He, then, but the, yeah. Jesus wept is, is him With, weeping over... Uh, Lazarus. Lazarus. Yeah. yeah. So let's assume... We're assuming. Let's assume Jesus knew that it was part of the plan for him to call Lazarus out of that grave. And yet he wept. Why, if he knew it was going to be okay? Well, mm-hmm. because he was able to be present and engage with the emotion in the moment. 
um, I don't want to too conveniently tie biblical truths into this, but to me that makes, I've thought about that a lot. Yeah. And I've always asked myself, like, why weep? What are you weeping over? Like, you know you got it. Yeah. Um, versus some of the other, you know, like Jerusalem, I could see the weeping, like the crying out on the cross, like he's in the midst of great mm-hmm. physical suffering. But this this moment when he looked around at everybody and then wept with them and wept for himself, it was because he was able to, like, not, he, he wasn't in a hurry to go, oh, but I'm going to bring him back later today or tomorrow. It's going to be fine. Well, he's the most emotionally healthy person right. on the face that's ever graced the, this planet. Yeah. And I think we do see all of the things that Jesus was going through. He experienced those eight core emotions, even the reality of Jesus being on the cross. It's the most shameful thing that could ever happen. Yep. And he felt that. But Why have you forsaken it. me? Yeah. yeah. And so like you're, you're in these moments of like seeing the reality. So Jesus experiencing the hurt, you know, and understanding uh, the hurt. And, and so there, there are things that, uh, you know, the fear of, you know, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, mm. like take this cup from me, mm. that fear, you know, that, um, and there's a gifting and there's like a, um, you know, the impairment to fear is anxiety. You know, the gift is wisdom and faith, mm-hmm. you know? And so Jesus looked at that fear and the gifting of it mm-hmm. was wisdom and faith and what was about to happen. You know, so you can work through and see how, um, even for Jesus, like he yeah. said, like such a great model of experiencing and acknowledging um, all the emotions. Mm. So if we think of like, <clears throat> I dare, I dare use this word. Um, if we think of that, like, oh, he was the most emotionally healthy, mm-hmm. you know, person to ever live. You know, even people who don't necessarily believe he was the Messiah would um, identify Jesus as enlightened. Right. That's like sure. a word we don't like to yeah. use because it's very Eastern. But like this idea of enlightenment or like holiness, mm-hmm. you know, do we strive for holiness in our lives um, or is that something that we just feel like we can't achieve? Mm-hmm. Maybe these terms are interchangeable. Maybe this idea of being maybe what we're striving for here and doing this work is to be enlightened. Wouldn't that be nice to like move somehow to an, a next level of being human not necessarily that you're better or worse than anybody else but as we try to achieve stuff like humility and like emotional health and all of this stuff that we i think sometimes we lose especially we've seen holiness done self-righteously and poorly so often right in religion over the last Mm -hmm. two thousand years but it doesn't that doesn't circumvent the fact that like we are called toward holiness yeah like we are called toward following jesus and for that to be so maybe um, if you want to use more spiritual language around stuff like emotional health and, and counseling and all of that stuff, maybe what we're moving toward is holiness, maybe wholeness, right? Yeah. What we're moving toward absolutely. is is transcendence, if you like Eastern type words, mm-hmm. of like engaging, doing this, because I know that there's some of you that are listening that are like, yeah, but why? Why am I going to do this? Like what this seems like your story um, that you told earlier today about walking the the 65-year-old guy through sure. the, the story work, and he was like, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. But then when he did it, he he did it the best. <laughs> yeah. You know, he did yeah. it the most. Um, so just a thought that I kind of had. Well, I think it is like, because the idea, so even, so the, I would say that we miss this part when we read scripture. So, mm-hmm. so for instance, when people are asking Jesus, uh, what the kingdom of God is like, or he's saying, here's what the kingdom of God is like. Or when, uh, even the good Samaritan story, when like the guy's like asking, like, how do I get this? How do I, and he's asking about the kingdom of God. What he's asking is how do I experience a fullness of life that the kingdom of God represents? Yeah. And so it's not about like this, 
I, I want to go to heaven. It's yeah. not about like an empire. It's it's literally like, how do I experience like eternal life that's wired within me? Like we mm-hmm. hear, you see that in Ecclesiastes, that's wired within me. Like, how do I experience that in this life now? And Jesus is always leading people into this idea. If you look at his language, it is, it's emotional. There's an element of soul care that's yeah. going on that he's talking about, like in the Good Samaritan story. What is he leading the person to? Well, he's leading the person to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is how you see people. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you see people? You have to be compassionate and empathetic and knowing their story mm-hmm. and engaging. That's all soul care stuff. Yep. You know, so that's what it's really engaging. Mm, that's really good. To repent is really just to be honest with yourself. Yes. Right? Engage, yeah. engage your core emotions. Well, thanks, everyone, for indulging us as we continue to talk about the big feels. Um, if you have questions, quips, comments, or concerns, you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. Make sure to rate and review the show and share it. Um, maybe that'll encourage us to record more. <laughs> we need your attention. <laughs> we, need your- <laughs> we need your adulation. Tell, no, tell um, us we're worth something. <laughs> yeah, we love to get other people in on the conversation. Um, and so, yeah, make sure to share, rate, and review. And until next time, remember also to stay curious. curious.